The Legal Corner Podcast Series. Welcome to today's episode of The Legal Corner, a podcast which covers a variety of legal issues to keep you informed. Hosted by attorney at law Colin Dinoon and communication specialist Leonardo Torres. for joining us for another episode of the Legal Corner podcast series. I am your host, Colin Dinoon, attorney at law, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Leonardo Torres, our resident communication specialist. Good day to you, Mr. Torres. How are you? Good day, Colin. I'm very, very good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, we are keeping it up with our episodes and with our guests. And um, it's really fun and really exciting. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the topic of marketing strategies for lawyers. Many lawyers struggle with effectively marketing their practices, especially in jurisdictions where advertising is prohibited, such as Trinidad and Tobago. This raises the all-important question of how is a lawyer supposed to get clients? Enter legal marketing. Legal marketing refers to the process by which lawyers and law firms make their brands more recognizable to persons who may potentially use their services. Joining us on the show today is Mr. Jordan Oshkroff. Jordan Oshkroff is the president of Legalese Marketing, a fraction CMO for the legal space. He created Legalese because he couldn't find a company to market his own firm the right way. Everything was either totally cookie cutter or a clear violation of Florida's ethics rules. Based upon the great work from the Legalese team, he is able to run that company and his firm, Jordan Law, Florida, a PI firm in Orlando, while only working two to three days a week and driving across the country with his wife and kid. So if you're a lawyer looking at how to make more money in less time and automate your firm, for more consistent cases and happier clients, he wants to chat with you. Welcome to the Legal Corner, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Very happy to Tell be here. Tell us a bit about Legalese Marketing. Sure. So Legalese Marketing is a fractional CMO in the legal space. By that, I mean we are not just a marketing vendor. Instead, we work with people from that C-level position, helping them with the right decision-making, um, we also do a ton on the sales side, so with CRM automation, because ultimately what we found is if you don't have a consistent sales process, there's no way to really have a consistent marketing process. Because if you're ch- following up with people differently every month, or you're sending different emails, or you're checking in at different times, there's no consistency with the ads to see which ones convert the best. Uh, what challenges did you encounter when you were building this company? You know, it's a great question because thankfully for me, I don't have that many challenges with building legalese because I've been through all those challenges with running Jordan Law. And so really, I just look at it from the standpoint of what's the marketing company that I wish I had found and having not found them, what's the one that I want to create in to be the one that is what a law firm. I know you've shared this story many times where you would have burnt through a lot of money in advertising uh, before you decided to launch out on your own. Can you tell us a bit about your experience, your bad experiences? Sure. Happy happy to share my horror story. Hopefully it saves other people from having the same problem. Um, so for me, I lucked out in the standpoint of I came to Orlando to go to UCF for undergrad. I stayed in Orlando to go to Barry for law school. I stayed in Orlando to be a prosecutor. 
And so by the time I opened my firm, I had, you know, at that point, like 10 years of, of relationships in the city that I was opening up in. So I generated a decent amount of work from just referrals and, and knowing people. But the problem was I had no idea how to run a business. So I thought, hey, I'll hire a marketing company and I can double or triple or quadruple what I'm doing with the connections. And instead, that wasn't the case because I didn't have a good sales process because I didn't have systems to fulfill it. So even if they were successful, I wasn't going to be able to handle the extra caseload. Uh, unfortunately, most of them weren't successful in some manner. And so I ended up spending about $200,000 between bad marketing and buying another firm and then hiring more people to handle the cases, to find more marketing, to pay for the people to do all this. And it was just a vicious cycle that culminated in my wife telling me she was pregnant with our kid while both of us were working like 80 hour weeks and had no money and thought, you know, this is great, but then how am I going to be able to add raising a child to this whole thing? All right. So it's interesting that you would have started off by talking about, you know, when you actually got into the practice that you would have lacked that um, business knowledge and that business mind, because a lot of attorneys, when they actually, you know, pass, pass out of school and they accepted by the bar and stuff like that, you know, they kind of have to learn as they go into their business and their practice. So what would you say are some of the things that attorneys do wrong when trying to build a practice? That's a great question. The biggest thing for me is not knowing your ideal client. The more that you know your ideal client, and by that I mean the one that you want to work with, who's going to pay their bills, who's going to appreciate your work, who you're going to love doing, the easier all these other decisions make. Because like, if you look at it like a dartboard, you know, you, you focus on that bullseye. And so you might get one rung out, two rungs out, three rungs out. But the problem is if you don't know that ideal goal, then you don't know what marketing to say no to. You don't know what cases to turn down. You don't know what conferences to go to. You don't know who to connect with. And you really end up wasting a bunch of time, money, and energy on things that don't actually matter to your ideal client. Whereas when you focus on that, it's not just a marketing thing. You know, if your ideal client is a great professional who has a very specific legal need that you help with, they probably want you to be a better lawyer. They probably want to have a higher number of touch points. They probably want to be able to trust you as a go-to expert. And so from that standpoint, when it comes time for you to spend, you know, 10 grand on whatever it is, you know, discretionary spending, that means you probably want to go to the right conferences. You probably want to hire great customer service help. You probably want to be more active in your community. Whereas, you know, if you just want volume, 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 then you might want to spend that 10 grand on Google ads. You know, it may be worth it for you to get the exposure better. So that might make some of those things a lot easier when it comes to that decision. But even from the same point of what organization to join or what event to sponsor, you know, the more you know that ideal client, the easier it is to find the right BNI, the right chamber of commerce, sponsoring the right, you know, uh, fundraiser, 5K, whatever it's going to be. In terms client. of marketing strategies now, because, you know, these things get very very complex you know there's a lot of picking and choosing and niche markets and based on what your real practice is all about i guess it's going to be different to you know individual attorneys but what would you say are some of the marketing strategies from your experience that you think are likely to fail so the the biggest one that we see and again this one won't apply to you all is billboards i see a lot of firms that are like oh the, the best firms have billboards I need one. But what they don't realize is the best firms don't have one billboard. They've got a hundred and they've got a call center and they've got a great website and they've got ads running and they've got a great referral relationship with people. So it, you know, it's this one thing that you see the billboard, you don't see everything that supports it. And so that's the biggest mistake that I see law firms making is like, oh, well, so-and-so is doing blank. So that must be great. 
as opposed to knowing, well, so-and-so has been an attorney for 20 years and they get, you know, they're still getting 90% of their cases from referrals. They're just trying to add a little bit here with this marketing. Um, and then therefore you end up wasting a bunch of time, money, and energy on stuff that's not going to work for you because you saw it work for somebody else, even though they had a different firm, they had a different ideal client, they had a different practice area, different geographic area. As you would have touched on, and we, we did confirm that, you know, within the Trinidad context that, um, you know, attorneys are not allowed really to market. They're not allowed to do the Google ads and stuff like that. But can you think of maybe any way that um, attorneys, particularly Trinidadians or um, whoever might be listening, whether they're based in the United States or within the Caribbean context where advertising is prohibited, that maybe they can look at ways of, you know, increasing their their um, visibility. Is it just just the, their location? Is it just like their branding on the outside of the building? What what can you speak on to that? Sure. So look, you need to be the top of people's mind when they need legal services. If you have 5 million people that think of you second, you're only getting the cases when the first person doesn't. So you really need to look at how do I become the number one in people's minds? So I, I love a lot of the stuff that Colin's doing, you know, not just joining organizations, but actually being active in those organizations, taking a leadership role, building those connections where people can trust you to run a meeting, can trust you to host an event, whatever it is along those lines, you're building that relationship one-on-one. -on -one. Then at the same time, you look at social media, you know, how do you project the right image on social media? Because you might have, let's say a hundred referral sources. You may not have the time to connect with all of them for an hour every week, but you can post three to five times on the platforms they're on. You can tag them in the right stuff. You can share your testimonials or, you know, whatever it is that you can ethically share in your state or your country. And you can have those extra touch points with them where they see your stuff. And then when you do lunch with them once every three months, or when you do that, you know, once a year meeting at the conference, they've seen you so many other times. Um, and then also by diving that into your ideal client, you talk about, well, where do you go? What do you do? You know, if you're a business lawyer, you better be in the local chamber of commerce. You've got all these business owners. If you want to work with new parents doing their initial estate plan, the first time they had a kid, then you want to go speak and be at the places they're going to go to. You know, whether that's giving a seminar at the local hospital for new parents, whether that's finding some sort of um, postpartum depression group that you can go and, you know, share some insight and wisdom on, whatever it looks like along those lines, you can focus your branding efforts, you can focus your networking, you can focus your, you know, persona building um, better into getting in front of the people that are going to be the exact right client with the exact right need for you. But what would you say to younger attorneys who may be struggling with their confidence or someone may be a young solo attorney, but they may be a bit afraid to put themselves out there, be more afraid to approach new people and so on. How does a person overcome that fear? That is the difficult question. You know, my wife talks about that I have middle-aged white guy confidence and I, I, I don't care. It, you know, I, my whole thing is I would rather somebody see me on social media and think that's not the right fit for me that's not the right mindset, then book a consult. And then we talk for 30 minutes or an hour or hire us. And then we're in the middle of the work. And then they realize that, you know, I'm not professional enough for them or, you know, or I'm too young for them or whatever it is. So I totally understand that that is a tough thing that a lot of people struggle with. I, and I don't know how to get over it. Cause for me, I'm like, I don't care. You know, there's 7 billion people in the world. If you hate me because of my social media, that's fine. You know, if you hate me because we talked at one event and I was a jerk, that's, you know, I'm sorry, but that's fine. Like you are more than entitled 
to feel the way that you want to feel. Um, the one thing I will say from an algorithm standpoint, if you post something on social media and 500 people comment, you're an idiot, that's just as good from an algorithm standpoint as 500 people commenting, this is the most amazing thing I've seen all day. So just, you know, keep that in mind. Obviously, I hate when I'm looking at a comment that's negative. I love when it's like, oh my God, this is great. Or yeah, I did that last week and I got a case from it already or, you know, whatever it looks like along those lines. But from a true going viral standpoint, you can go viral for negativity just as much as positivity. No attention as we sit. Yeah, I mean, look, there's certainly bad press. There's certainly bad attention. But when it comes to like, if the worst thing in your life is you have an internet troll, it's probably because they're jealous. It's probably because, you know, they wish they could be doing what you were doing. Um, and you just kind of have to focus on the fact that that they are spending that much time of their life commenting about how I'm an idiot or a moron or, you know, whatever it is along those lines, as opposed to me trying to comment with helpful stuff to help, you know, anybody who watches it, listens to it, interacts with me. As it pertains to, you know, lawyers who are a bit hesitant or not too comfortable marketing themselves online. Now, as we would have established earlier, there are some jurisdictions where marketing online is prohibited. So I want you to just, you know, take that into consideration with um, your response. But in terms of um, that hesitancy of marketing yourself online, what advice would you give to them, to those who are allowed to do that within their jurisdiction? And also, do you think that marketing yourself online is the best way to put your practice out there? No, I mean, look, it, here's to be totally honest. If you sit down and you read how to win friends and influence people, you have tapped into the best marketing ever. At the end of the day, creating a relationship is the best way to market. The benefit becomes from social media, you can create those relationships at scale. From advertising, you can create that first point of contact at scale. So I am, I'd be hard pressed to tell you, you can find long-term success if you don't do a good job, if you're not a great lawyer, if you don't have a great firm. It's just, there's these little things that you do to get in front of more people or to get in front of them more frequently. That's what we're talking about with advertising, or that's what we're talking about with going, you know, putting yourself out there online. I'm not telling you to fake who you are because people will see through it. I'm just telling you to be genuinely who you are at scale or to the public or out and about. You know, if that has to be at a networking event, you're going to be, in theory, the same person as you are going to be on a Facebook post. You know, it'll come across slightly differently. There's hashtags, you know, there's like engagement strategies. But at the end of the day, at its core, you really are just trying to find what about myself makes people like me or decide whether or not they like me. What about myself makes people trust me to handle their case? And what about and how can I get them to know me? And you go back to that, you know, no like and trust stuff, whether it's a billboard, whether it's advertising, whether it's organic social media, whether it's a podcast like this, whether it's, you know, a one-on-one -on -one lunch, whether it's a group or organization, like that's what you should be falling down back on the entire time that I am, that I think I am a great person, that I know I am a great lawyer, that I know I can help people in this position. And then you just keep pushing it out there. I know you, you pride yourself on having a, a casual style. Have you ever experienced any blowback from that? All the time. Absolutely. And you know what? I want the blowback because here's the thing that for me, the average person does not know an attorney. So when it comes to us doing personal injury work, people are hiring an attorney, not knowing anybody. And I want them to feel comfortable. So at our office, we dress relatively comfortably. I probably wouldn't wear the Hawaiian shirt in front of a client. That's more of a legalese branding thing, but I'll, 
I'll wear a polo, I'll wear shorts, I'll wear sandals. And I am totally fine if you walk in or you look at our photos and you say, hey, I want my lawyer to wear a suit the entire time. Awesome. You have a million other options and I urge you to go with them because, excuse me, it's not just the clothing. It's not just the look. There's something else that I'm going to do that's going to upset you. There's some way that we're going to talk that's going to turn you off, whatever it is along those lines. So I am totally fine with that. But at the same time, the clients who appreciate that we are more approachable because we dress like this tend to be the ones that like our more casual style with them, that tend to be the ones who like our more community, you know, community building aspect that we have, who tend to be the ones who I enjoy when they show up to our events, as opposed to the ones that are super, you know, stuffy and, and uptight. Um, so it has created this entire, I don't want to say marketing strategy, but like in essence, it's a whole brand that is a magnet. What would you say is your perfect or you know, your favorite way of marketing Jordan Love? Good, great question. I mean, look, I love referrals. I think building a genuine relationship with somebody is the best way to go about it. But also, that's not a long-term growth strategy. Like at some point, you can only stay connected with so many people. And I don't want to, and I don't want to tell people like, hey, at some point you outgrow this referral source. Like they're great, but they only send you one case a month. So now you gotta find somebody else. I hate that. So I like supporting that, you know, referral backbone with social media, with advertising, with client testimonials, with a newsletter, with all these other efforts. So that way, like I can genuinely hang out with people that I genuinely enjoy spending time with. Like my definition of networking is doing what you want to do with who you want to do it with. But to be honest, I wouldn't be able to run the firm that I do with just that. So we find the things that support that to get us the right number of leads, the right number of cases, the right kind of cases, the right value of cases, um, et cetera, through all the rest of the stuff we do. But at the end of the day, a really fun, you know, one-on-one lunch or really fun, you know, four of us going to an Orlando magic game or something like that, or top golf is going to be the most fun that I have marketing. Talk to us a bit about consistency. I know it's important to be consistent in your marketing efforts. Totally. I So the part about consistency for me is liking what you're doing. If you like making videos, if you like having a podcast, if you like showing up to the Every Chamber of Commerce event, it's going to be so much easier for you to do it. And you're going to go into it with the right mindset. You know, like if you hate every single meeting that you're going to for this group, you have to talk yourself above it. You got to get over it. And in those first couple moments, like you're going to give people that gut reaction of you don't want to be there. So for me, the easiest way to be consistent is find the stuff you truly like to do and commit to doing those things to grow your firm um, because it's going to be easier to show up. It's going to be easier to put it in, you know, a long day of court. You know, let's say you were in trial the night before and then you've got your meeting at seven o'clock in the morning. It's going to be a lot easier for you to make the commitment to show up when you enjoy it, when you like the people that are there, when you like the event, when you ha- when you know you're going to have fun. Um, so that's what I think the easiest way to be consistent with your marketing is, is finding the stuff that you like. And then also, you also need consistency from the messaging standpoint. You know, if you are talking about being the best family law attorney, but then you're sharing all these awards you won for criminal defense, like that's not consistent from the client's perspective. So you've got to look at that consistency both ways is not only where you show up, but how you show up. How important is it to establish uh, designated practice areas when seeking to build a practice as opposed to being a generalist? So I have a different take on this. I think most people, if you ask this question, would say you need to focus on a specific practice area. Instead, what I will tell you is you need to niche down. Most of the time, you niche down to a specific kind of person with a specific kind of legal need. But I am okay with you niching down. I am okay that there are situations where you'll niche down to like a specific, 
a business lawyer in a specific industry who's going to have some sort of real estate component, who's going to have some sort of criminal component, who's going to have some sort of regulatory component, whatever it looks like along those lines. So I really want to push you to find your niche more so than just pushing you to finding a specific practice area. It will usually force you into similar types of cases, which will be a consistent practice area, but I'm more concerned about that niche part than I am about saying just be a family law attorney or a criminal defense attorney or a DUI attorney. You know, that stuff I don't think is going to get you in the so right place. So there's really a linkage between the ideal client in one hand and having that niche practice area that you would be developing. Uh, to some extent, I mean, like, look, there are there are rural areas where you need to take any case that comes in the door because you're the only lawyer in 50 miles. And I'm sure COVID and going virtual has changed some of that. But in that situation, I'm okay with that as long as you are still niche to your geographic area, that you are, you know, the attorney in this town, that you are the, you know, this community's go-to lawyer. And you probably then need to co-counsel some stuff. You probably need to bring in some other lawyers to handle the stuff that you don't understand. Um or the, the, you know, novel things. But in that case, you found a niche. So for most of the time, that niche is going to include a practice area, but not every time. And I'd rather you focus on the niche first, which gets you into a specific practice area, than focus on the practice area, and then try to figure out where you actually fit in that marketplace. Because like in the States, we've got 1.3 million attorneys over 400,000 firms. You're not going to tell me like, you're going to be the only one that handles this kind of case. But you might be the only one that handles this case in this area, in this way for these kind of people. And that's where you'll develop that success. As we are getting ready to wrap up, Leonardo, do you have anything else you want to add, Jordan? I just wanted to find out in terms of, um, you know, top tier ways of really getting out there. Um, Jordan, based on your experience, right? Do you think that um, attorneys, you know, it, it's quite common to see, you know, attorneys appearing on... Um, news interviews or having their columns. And then we, you know, we touched on earlier talking about like, you know, if your practice is um, based within the realm of business, you know, you would have yourself going to the chamber conferences and stuff like that. But do you think that having those in-person marketing strategy versus one that is more based within the realm of media, like an interview or column in the newspaper, which one do you think, based on your experience, kind of gets a better response for that um, attorney? So I want to flip your question a little bit. So in essence, when it comes to marketing, really, you have three different buckets. You have awareness, you have consideration, and you have intent. So awareness is people need to know about you. They need to be aware of you first then there's going to be some amount of them considering whether or not to go forward with you and they have to have the intent to have that need. So when it comes to, you know, being on the news or when it comes to writing an article in the paper or having a radio show, that helps you from an awareness standpoint and it might help you from a consideration standpoint. But from that intent component, they're still going to need to have a conversation with somebody at your firm. They're still going to need to see a contract, get pricing, whatever it looks like. So you need to have the ability to either have those conversations, you know, the consultation, the sales call, whatever you want to call it, or hire somebody who does a great job because no matter if everybody knows you, but then they get into that one-on-one meeting and you're terrible with it or you're unprepared or you don't show up on time or whatever it looks like, you're going to turn those people off at the exact last moment. However, the flip side of that is 
you might be the best one-on-one -on -one consultation attorney ever. You might be the best go-to lawyer, but if nobody knows about you, nobody has the opportunity to consider you, none of that stuff matters. So you really have to figure out like this entire ideal client journey of how are they going to find an attorney? How are they going to think about an attorney? What are they going to do to find one when they need one? And then how do you get there? And then what do you tell them to make sure that they consider you? And then how do you get them to do a consult? What do you do at the consult? What do you do after the consult? And then after all of those things, then it comes back to how do I actually handle their case? You know, how do I actually be the lawyer that they need me to be? But that becomes, you know, like the 10th thing that the client's going to consider um, when it comes to who they're going to hire. This has been a great discussion, uh, Jordan. I just want to give you an opportunity to give any final words that you want our listeners out there uh, to keep in mind concerning marketing strategies. I'm going to go back to the more that you know. I have never talked to a lawyer that had a very great rundown of their ideal client where they were in the day, what they were thinking about, what their big concerns were, what their major issues were going to be. I've never talked to an attorney that can answer those questions really well who wasn't successful. And so that's where it goes back to, because that becomes, it becomes really, it becomes a lot easier for you to figure out who to network with. It becomes easier for you to figure out what events to go to. It makes it easier for you to figure out, you know, what you want your office to look like or how you want to have a conversation with clients or what you want your letterhead to look like or your name or your logo or whatever it looks like. All of those things can all of those decisions can be made easier if you really think about what does my ideal client want from me, as long as it's genuine, as long as it's ethical, as long as, you know, there's always going to be some sort of crazy uh, guarantee that we can't give. But to the extent that we have that opportunity, being intentional about it to that ideal client. I really like that um, today's discussion, you know, touched on so much different things. And we didn't talk about it too much of a, of a, in a context where for Attorneys who are not allowed to advertise. We, you know, I like that we touch on so much different things. And I, I really like that, you know, you would have mentioned, you know, appearing at those conferences, you know, having those one-on-one -on -one connections with your clients. And I think it, it is really, it's going to be very, very helpful for current attorneys, upcoming ones. And, you know, even those who might be just thinking about, I think I want to get into this, you know, but how am I going to connect the dots? Because I'm a bit shy. I'm not really all that, you know out there as a person. And I really liked that you were able to touch on so much different elements of marketing that didn't really only included, you know, just social media or stuff like that. And I, and I think it would be very, very helpful to all of our listeners. So a lot of times we talk about like the introvert versus the extrovert, right? And so in theory, we think that the extrovert loves getting out there and doing all these chats, whatever. I have seen so much better marketing come from introverts because it's really that one-on-one -on -one conversation. And so even if it's like, I'm an introvert, I'm terrified of social media, have talk to the person behind the camera. Like literally, have, just have a conversation with that one person. And I have seen that become so much easier for a lot of people to do. And it comes off so much more engaging because literally they are like talking to somebody as opposed to just this kind of weird, you know, social media being like your fake stage. Great. Well, folks, this has brought us to the end of another episode of the Legal Corner Podcast Series. Remember to check us out on social media, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to the Legal Corner Podcast Series. For more information, please visit us at our Facebook or Instagram pages or send your comments to thelegalcornerpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.